0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Uh, there is a war for influence over children. And in a lot of ways, the right has been losing it for an awfully long time. Here to discuss that with us is Bethany Mandel, who is here to talk about the new book that she has co-written with Carol Markowitz, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. And uh, Bethany, first off, it's great to talk to you. I don't know that we've actually done it. Any- I know.
1: We haven't, because I didn't know that this was on video in addition to audio. So that's why I'm looking like a bozo with my husband's giant speakers on. He, <laughs> he, he This is his home office setup, and this is how he can just not hear our children in the background when he's working. And so I walked into his office and I said, okay, I'm going to need your computer and need you to watch all of the kids upstairs for however long this takes. And he was like, mm, okay. I'm like, so I can't really get choosy about the headset. After yeah. I've kicked him out of his own office. So here
0: we are. You
1: know. <laughs> but, Whatever. you know,
0: this is, the, I, yeah, I mean, the the head the headset is fine. Andrew wears a headset. It's almost identical to that. We do that every Tuesday. So I love uh, it. I'm kind of used to that. And um, it wasn't all that long ago that I would do that as well. And when I fill in on radio shows, I have to do that. Yeah. So for the, you know, I do the Hugh Hewitt show and I have oh. to do with the big cans on the head. So, yeah, it's.
1: That's it's, so fun. I do Hugh every Tuesday morning.
0: I know and I don't think I've ever gotten a chance to no. actually guest host on Tuesdays to catch that. So, so get on that. I know. I know. Well, now Dwayne's <laughs> doing a lot more of that than than I yeah. am, which is good because Dwayne should be doing more of that. So but let's talk about your book. You and Carol yeah. wrote this book um and you know, not to uh not to gloss this too lightly, you've taken a lot of crap over this. You and Carol have taken a lot of crap over this uh, topic over the yeah. last few years. I don't think I could think of any two better people uh, to write a book like this to talk about the um, the the war for influence over children. And it has really become a central issue over the last two years, really ever since Glenn Youngkin ran for um, governor in Virginia. And it became a a a, a top drawer issue in politics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as it should be, I think that people sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of more talking about the left. I think that they took for granted that they had the suburban white woman vote. And then over COVID, you know, schools in Northern Virginia across the country, but I'm talking specifically about Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, they really kind of messed up the bed. And so a lot of white suburban mothers said, you know, my kid was on Zoom for a year and a half and I saw what they were learning and that is something I'm deeply uncomfortable with. And no wonder my kid can't read when you're spending two hours a day on what is like SEL, it's like social emotional learning and that's sort of the euphemism that they use. And really it's just like, you know, there are 67 genders and that's, that's what they're spending their time learning. And so, you know, we have gotten a lot of heat over the course of the last couple of years, um, because we were really outspoken about reopening schools. We were really outspoken about sort of advocating for children. You remember like when boats used to sink and they'd say women and children first, it's not a thing that our society does anymore. Um, and so we're really kind of, we're seeing that heat as we're on, we're over the target. And, um, And after Youngkin was elected, I think that a lot of a lot of the left realized this is a really deep uh, sort of weakness that they have on their side. And that's why they are so ferociously going after people
0: like Carol and I. Well, I I, I like the fact that you brought up the the covid pandemic shutdowns because there was a that's a catalyst for a lot of this, because frankly parents just were locked out of the classroom. And I think just kind of assumed that, well, they're teaching reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, take a look at some of the homework. Maybe there's some curricular things that pop up in there that might concern them. They take it to the school. They get jollied along a little bit and they're just busy. They're just too damn busy to to get into this. Um, But by forcing the kids to stay home and do this over Zoom, it really opened up the classroom for parents and they got a really good, scary look. And what actually goes on in these classes, what the curriculum actually is, and I think that that is, uh, first off, the fact that the teachers unions are pushing that idea for several months. I think it's maybe one of the most enormous political backfires <laughs> in, in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it is. I mean, that's a catalyzing experience. I think for um, uh, in politics.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was a real red pill moment. And and I hear, I, after Youngkin was elected, I heard from a lot of Northern Virginia sort of slam dunk Democratic voters who, you know, one woman used to work for, um, for a pro-choice organization, okay? Like, you really could not be more slam dunk. And she said, I'm sorry. Like, everything else falls off the table when it's my kid on the line. And she felt like it was her kid on the line. And she, you know, she wasn't even necessarily that uncomfortable with the content of what her kid was learning, but her kid couldn't read and she was in second grade. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know how much the woke sort of curriculum animates parents. But when it comes at the expense of really basic reading and writing skills that their kids are lacking, um, that's when it really sort of lit the fire under folks. Um, and and parents who were watching all of this take place on Zoom uh, were gaslit about every. I mean, that's like sort of the the word that I would best describe all of COVID: gaslighting. They right. gaslit us about the the where the virus came from uh the effectiveness of the vaccines the effectiveness of the masks the kinds of masks so there's no difference between like a t-shirt on your face and a fitted n95 just put whatever you can find on your face and like oh that was a lie so basically everything was a lie and um and i think that parents um were really sick of hearing the gaslighting from from school officials that you know your kid is resilient They'll be fine. They'll bounce back. And they're sitting there watching their kid spiral. And they're like, my kid is not any more resilient than anyone else. And my kid is not fine. They're not fine academically. They're not fine emotionally. Uh, in Stolen Youth, I, I open with a really powerful chapter of a woman uh, in in the introduction of a woman whose teenage daughter Um, spiraled emotionally and psychologically during COVID when they were sort of locked on screens. And she spent so much time on YouTube and TikTok that she sort of became suicidal and she was never stable and it really just sort of set her over the edge. And they sent her to an inpatient facility that didn't allow visitation, that would only allow masks. And in this very small inpatient program, eight of the kids came out of it identifying as non-binary. And instead of treating their daughter's mental health, they added to her mental health diagnoses, um, throwing in some gender dysphoria. Um, so I mean, this these are the stories that, you know, I heard countless times over the course of the pandemic. And parents are fed up.
0: You know i'm glad that you brought this up because i don't know that that's necessarily only a um phenomenon that's related to the um to the the pandemic shutdowns and if it was right we wouldn't need to worry about it as much now because yeah schools are open but that's not really what's going on here right and this is part of the stuff that you talk about in terms of radical influences on um on children how they're erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation is that they're teaching kids basically that it's cool to be, to have dysphoria mm-hmm. yes. you should explore your dysphoria. I mean, it really, this is to me, this whole idea of, uh, you know, uh, non-binary, all this transgender things. These were things that were always very minimal that were really very specifically tied to certain emotional states of mind. And it's become this widespread fad. And I think social media is certainly yeah. responsible for some Absolutely. of it, but it's, also, the schools. The schools are pushing this in the earliest yes. stages of education. And if you want to, you know, see how how committed they are to doing that, take a look at what happened when Florida uh, proposed and then mm-hmm. finally did pass a very sensible law that said we're not going to discuss gender ideology from K through four, four, just fourth grade, <laughs> just fourth grade. ten years old. 10 Wait. years old
1: not a big ask my only complaint about that florida law is that it didn't go far enough i don't want you talking about it with an 11 year old either um but again i mean this is this is the gaslighting that that they're doing they're you know we're just teaching them social and emotional skills and um, no no you're you're reading kindergartners books called swish 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 go the drag queen's hips It's literally a book. It's literally was read to a kindergarten class. I talked to parents in Houston, Texas, whose kid came home from kindergarten one day singing, swish, 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 go the drag queen's hips. And they were like, I'm sorry, what? what? What are you singing? Where is this coming from? And they were like, yeah, it's like this like cool new lyrics to wheels on the bus. And the parents did not think it was cool. And you know, they it ensued months of fighting with the school district. But I mean, this is what's happening. Uh, I, one of my.
0: i speechless about this. Yes. In Houston, Texas. Well, In Houston, I, Texas. I, I, I kind of understand Houston, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. No, you're not. I'm sorry. I misspoke. It was Austin, Texas. Now you understand. Well, oh, even, it was even more so.
0: Even more yeah, so. Yeah. Austin. Well, yeah, Austin. So
1: okay. it was funny because when I was writing, so was, Carol and I took different chapters of Soul and Youth and we sort of did deep dives into different subjects. And so I was writing the chapter on sort of kids' media, literature, whatever. And uh, I felt like the hand of God as I was writing that chapter because two girlfriends, one in Baltimore and one in Denver, within a day of each other, sent me a text message. Have you ever heard of this book? It's on display in my school library. And it was called How Mamas Love Their Babies. And it's a picture book displayed in the children's section about different jobs that moms have who take care of their and they're all providing for their children and i'm going to put you on the spot here okay what do you think the the main character's job was the
0: mom um i'll just take a wild stab at this because i'm sure it's not the right answer nurse Oh, bless your heart.
1: Do you think I'd be talking about this if it was nurse no, or doctor?
0: Of course not. So, the reason why I threw it out there because no. I mean, I, I, a drag queen? I mean, I don't think that would be. No, it's the, it's the mom. It's right. the mom. She's a stripper. sex worker.
1: It's, yes. it's, She's a stripper. She's a sex worker. That's correct. Joking. It's I'm joking. Yeah, I'm not. No, no, I am not joking. It's called How Mamas Love Their Babies. The graphics are in like neon, there's a picture of the pole. Kinder kindergarten age. It's in the children's section. It's a picture book. So this is this is what we're up against here.
0: So they're basically they're basically showing the movie Striptease with Demi Moore uh, to kindergartners is is, is yeah. what the deal is here. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean with worse graphics, yeah. I mean that's the thing about all of these like books, like from an aesthetic point of view, they're so focused on them on the on the indoctrination and the brainwashing that the art. Is really lost the graphics are not very good
0: yeah yeah because it's a, it's a didactic Two stars <laughs> it's a didactic and that's true of any art that turns into a didactic art mm-hmm. just yeah it just degrades at that point yeah. in time because yeah. they're not really interested in the artistic presentation they're just interested in the message yes. um uh, so i'm sorry i is I, this I would, a fun I'd game was, I, it was a fun game i mean i would yeah. I, i'd even like you to stump me on another one here because i i'm stunned um i I really think about it i really threw out the stripper thing as a joke i thought well you know nurse right you wouldn't be talking about if it was nurse what's the opposite end of the spectrum and i I didn't expect to be right yeah
1: all right yeah you always have to think
0: the worst stolen youth how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation i'm going to keep mentioning this because i want Mm -hmm. people
1: that's the hugh hewitt lesson
0: Yes. Yeah. I got, I got chapter and verse on that when I wrote my book. Um, What's the, what, what do you see as the solutions here? Because honestly, I mean, I think private school, school choice has got to be part of this, but you know, some of the private schools aren't all that much Mm -hmm. better. I was talking about one the other day and I don't even remember the context of it. I put it in the headlines. The story I put in the headlines, and I said, you know, this is just going to go show you that mm-hmm. private schools aren't necessarily a panacea for yeah. some of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I I was talking to a mom in Colorado whose kid goes to a conservative Christian school, and they had to wrangle control back from sort of a woke top administrator at their kid's private Christian school. So yes, you're absolutely correct that you cannot rest on your laurels, even if you're sending to a private religious school of any kind. Um, it's happening. I like try to tread lightly for my own personal social life but where i live the jewish schools there's a lot of issues that are similar
0: um that i catholic schools it's the same thing i hear would not people feel saying, comfortable with yeah catholic schools have the same kinds of issues they adopt the same yeah. curriculum yeah and people so really about it yeah so
1: in soul and youth carol and i um our editor at like the last second was like you need to have a a conclusion chapter that basically does what you just said, wh- tell people what to do. And Carol and I are very different people, even though we're like, you know, Jewish New Yorkers, whatever, we're actually very different in our like real lives, even though, you know, her middle son and my oldest daughter will be getting married and my daughter will come to Markowitz. But, <laughs> uh, but so I have six, um, age nine and under and we homeschool. We have no plans of, not homeschooling and right. a lot of that is like we love homeschooling and it's working out really nicely for us and everyone's happy and you know twice a year we go to the the dentist at 8 a.m and it's like how can we possibly get out the door and so we're all sort of solidified in our decision to continue homeschooling twice a year when we do go to that dentist appointment oh, yeah. really early quote unquote and we have to be there by 8 a.m um so we love homeschooling. That being said, we couldn't not homeschool. Like, there's not a school where I live that I would feel comfortable with. And so it's kind of a no-brainer for us that like this is thank God it's working for us because this is really our only option. Um, and my kids' favorite actor is Robin Williams, who I think died in 2014. And his most famous movies are Mrs. Doubtfire, which could never be made now. Birdcage, which I think is appropriate for children, quite frankly. There's like a couple of racy spots, but also could never be made now. They've never seen The Birdcage. I'm just going to clarify for your listeners and viewers. They've never seen The Birdcage, but I'm just saying.
0: Right, right. Yeah.
1: Their favorite actor is Robin Williams. Blubber was a huge hit. Um, So they were watching movies that I have pre-screened up the wazoo because I loved them as a kid. Uh, They also love Richie Rich. Um, Macaulay Culkin is a big hit in our house, Home Alone. Um, So that's how we sort of handle it. We've gone galt galt as much as we can. Um, Kids are not in school. Kids are not really watching modern media. And it actually really handicapped me writing the media chapter because the the books part of that chapter was good and very strong. The, like, visual media part wasn't so great. And I had to, like, phone a friend a few times. Be like, so what's, like, what's Cocoa Melon? What's Paw Patrol? Can I, like, can I get some help here? And so that part of the chapter is not so great. Maybe I shouldn't say that. The rest of the book, obviously, is amazing. But the point is, it's not so great because my kids don't watch it. And your kids shouldn't either. So you don't need that chapter. You don't need me to write that. Um, But... Carol takes the opposite perspective. Her kids have cell phones. Uh, they go to school. They watch all the movies. They're, they are more hip to modern culture than I am, her three children. And our kids hang out as much as they can, given that we live in two different states. And obviously, our children are in love. Our nine and 10-year-olds are in love. Um, and our kids are amazing, too. And, and so how do how do you sort of do this? while either going galt and how do you go galt and i have a lot of my chapter about like how do you homeschool um and she in her chapter talks a lot about like how can you be an active and engaged parent when your kids are doing xyz how do you have these conversations with them um being connected to your kids and and making sure that they are not just hearing the negative we don't believe this but also the affirmative this is what we do believe um the so many parents that i spoke to for this book who had felt like they had lost their their teenager adult children the number one thing they said to, well actually two two number things number one don't let your kid have a phone yeah. until like they're 25 i don't know whatever <laughs> <laughs> until they can pay for it don't let them have a smartphone yeah. um number two is have those affirmative conversations with kids about this is what we believe, and don't just say this is what we don't believe, but this is what we do believe, and that comes in the form of not just politics and like don't just talk about politics, don't be that parent, but like faith and morality. Um, you know, I I'm a big books person, and so like read books about character and morality with your kids, and have those conversations with them, even if you don't homeschool. Um, because really, all homeschooling is is active parenting 24 seven.
0: Right. Not, a, and not everybody can do it. I mean, some people have the yeah. ability to do it and some people just simply don't. And, yeah. and that, some people don't want to do it. And that's also okay. I get it. I'm glad that you said that because I think that there's a lot of pressure now on people who are objecting to these, to, to the yes. with indoctrination to where they feel like they don't really have a choice where if they send their kids to, especially to public school um, that they're somehow bad parents. And
1: yes. And not- a lot of, a lot of that messaging, by the way, is coming from people without kids. I heard over the course of the pandemic, I'm sorry, like over the course of the pandemic, I heard so many times, just don't put your kid in a mask. Just don't do it. And I was almost always told that by people who didn't have kids. And, you know, even as insane as I was about COVID, about masks. You you really could not find someone who was more outspoken about it than me in this country. And that being said, my kids went to summer camp one summer, one week in that, in the summer of 2021, where they did mask because I had to make a decision. Do I take this for my kids or do I just buckle? And so in 2021, they did it. In 2022, they did it. I showed up the first day of a camp and they told me my kids had to mask. And I said, no, I'm done with this. And it's really like a a decision that you have to make using all of the information around you to figure out what's best for your kid in that moment. And it's going to be different. I mean, it was different in summer of 2021 versus 22, um, because in 21, there were no other options. In 22, we had other options. And so I was like, you're going to have to give me my money back or I'll write a column about you for Uh, foxnews.com. Didn't make that threat. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it sounds great. It sounds great. To, yeah. <laughs> no, I did. I did make that threat. Oh, you did make that threat. Well, that oh, yeah. Was, yeah. I was like, you can Google me, figure out if you really want to tango with me. And then they refunded my credit card at 2 p.m. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not, It's not. none of these things are easy. None of these things are clear. And, and that I think is one of the, the most important things about this book was that, you know, Carol and I both talk about the moments where we screwed up Like there was a a story that Carol told she had just transferred her kid into another school, um, not in the beginning of the year. So he was like the weird new kid. And then that week they were doing a climate march and he was in first grade. And she was like, is this a a fight I want to fight the first week of school and have him be the kid who's the new kid who's also sitting out the climate march and wants the world to melt down in first grade? And so she decided to just let him go along with it. And she in interviews has kicked herself for it. I don't think she made the wrong decision. It's, you know, you you have it's it's tough. And this is this is the problem. They're turning our kids into these child soldiers and they're putting parents in a really, really tough position over and over and over. And so we we wrote Soul and Youth because we wanted to sort of arm parents with the information of like this is what's happening. And it's not, it's not it's not all isolated incidents. All of these things are coalescing into a movement and you know these are the decisions we made these are the steps we took these are the moments that we didn't feel like we we made the right decision and um and we just sort of wanted to be really honest and really human with parents because um none of these things are easy but at the end of the day all of us have the goal of raising kids whose innocence is intact as much as possible and who are resilient and not basket cases which is what, what they want our kids to be they want them to be basket cases
0: And I think it's important, too, I mean, to to give that kind of support to parents who are having to navigate these things and understand, you know, that it's I I really like the comment you made that you got all this great advice from from people who don't have parents. I always thought that the people who were who had the most knowledge about children are the people who never who never had them. Um, I was an amazing
1: parent before I had kids. Yeah, They never had screens. No sugar. (laughs) That's yeah, yeah
0: that, that's a rather typical, that's a rather typical thing. But there is a lot of judgment that comes in these things, no matter yeah. how you land. And, and so I think one of the aspects I think of stolen youth, again, stolen youth, how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation by Bethany Mandel and Carol Markowitz, uh, is to let people know that, hey, this is, there are no perfect situations, there's no perfect responses. This is a journey and uh, when, when they say this is a field guide, I think it's uh, Ab- Abigail Schreier called it a field guide for parents. That that that's exactly what you mean by this, which is that this is uh, this is to accompany you on a long and treacherous journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, to give you support and give you some wisdom along the way. And um, I think that that, that is going to be very much appreciated by parents who are um, entering into these situations or yeah. already.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's also just nice to know that you're not alone. I think that one of the hardest things for both Carol and I in the pandemic was, um, you know, using the 2022 summer camp example. I dropped off my kids and they sprang this mask thing on me and I looked around and everyone else just did it. And I felt like I was the crazy person. And it was funny because um, I threw a stink and I pulled my kids out and I demanded the refund. And then I heard from people afterwards, oh, was that you that did that? I thought that was ridiculous. And I was thinking to myself, why didn't you say something at the moment? I was the only crazy person yelling about this in July of 2022. Why didn't you? And they felt like they were alone and I felt like I was alone and no one felt empowered to sort of stand up and say, what exactly are you doing? Putting masks. And they, by the way, thought that I should be thankful that they didn't require N95s in the summer of 2022 on my children in a town that is nicknamed the swamp. Okay. Crazy, crazy town, crazy town, crazy town. And But we all felt like we were the crazy one for thinking this is excessive, and you know we wrote this because we wanted parents to know, like that voice in your head that says the emperor has no clothes. Acknowledge that little voice in your head and say it out loud because you are not the only one that thinks that the emperor is naked, and not just on COVID,
0: on everything. Right, right, and it's not. And this is very much not just about COVID. This is about no, well, cultural Marxist um, indoctrination of children um and they are they uh, until the pandemic they had been able to do it without letting the parents in on it and uh and now that mask is off thankfully and uh, we see it for what it is so again stolen youth how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation uh what's coming up next for you
1: that's the magic question isn't it i don't know I don't know. You can like, we can hang up and you can like mentor me and give me some guidance as I walk through this like midlife crisis that I'm currently having. I'm thinking about starting a Substack, TBD. I, so I'm not, I I don't have a regular column at desert news anymore. That sort of dropped at the same time as my book dropped. And so all of these things sort of wrapped at the same moment. And I was like, what, what am I going to do next? And so I, I am not going to like sound like I know what I'm doing until you like, I this impressive
0: new thing coming up I don't know next. I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, that's a good answer. I, honestly, it's yeah. a good answer. And you know, because you're, you're raising and homeschooling six kids and today seven, because you apparently that's didn't. It. House. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. We have a friend over for the day. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, I think I'm, I'm going to have to lean in more to my kids because this year they were a little neglected because we had a baby. And then six weeks later I had a book come out. And so we're doing school on Sundays to try to, like, finish oh. the year in something resembling proper manner. And my kids are like, this is ridiculous. It's not our fault you wrote a book and had a baby. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Sorry. Life isn't fair.
0: Right, exactly. Well, that's a good lesson to learn, too. And, and I'm telling you, that's a, that's another lesson that schools aren't teaching. that That yeah. really needs to be taught. Yeah life isn't fair and it isn't, you're you're not going to have some sort of deus ex machina coming down from the sky, reordering life for you. And by the way, you really don't want that. And there's lots of good reasons for that. So another good reason for you to homeschool. So yes, I think that that's marvelous. Bethany Mandel, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Again, the book is Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, um, if you are a if you are a child-raising expert, by which we both mean you don't have kids, you still should buy this book. It's so much, Bethany. It's
1: eye-opening. <laughs> Thanks.